Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this new crazy mother. League of Wildness, Wildman Dan here, and welcome to the Live Wild or Die podcast. This episode was recorded during one of our live pack meets that we do every week during our challenges in the Wild Gym League of Wildness private Facebook group. And if you're not a member of the group, I would really encourage you to consider joining. Whether you're doing the challenges or not, it's just the energy, the enthusiasm, the encouragement from everyone in the group. It's um, it's just so positive and there's no egos and there's really just like this feedback loop of motivation, inspiration from everyone that it's like the rising tide lifts all ships. So again, please consider Wild Gym, League of Wildness, our private Facebook group. And I don't, I'm not going to go too deep, but essentially on this particular live, we really talked about health. How do you measure health? Any ways of measuring health that seem to work better than others? Your top three metrics for measuring health. Kim just had so many awesome insights and also went off on some uh, pretty awesome rants as well as, uh, so there's also folks that are commenting live as well while we're doing this on Facebook. So we had some great comments as well. So shout out to the League of Wildness. We talked about obstacles to health, the idea of prescribing exercise and even time outside and much more. So without going too deep, I'll let the episode speak for itself. Stay wild, everyone. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Here we go. So, Kim, I sent you 10 questions, actually. 10 yes. topics. Anything, um, any place you want to start in particular? Or what do you think? You want me to just fire away? I guess. I think I'll just start at the top, I think. Okay, so just a little background for everyone. So... The last couple of weeks or so, I've listened to a few podcasts. I've been doing some reading. And we've we've talked about this on the lives and the Live Wild or Die podcast as well. But essentially, it's like I'm starting to be more interested in health, which I don't I'm still trying to decide if is fitness a part of health or is it health and fitness as this kind of synergistic, synergistic, excuse me, kind of duality. But so I sent Kim a bunch of questions, mainly regarding to health. So we're just going to kind of rapid fire through those and we'll be checking comments as well. So if you guys have feedback, if it inspires a thought in your mind, please let us know and we'll kind of check those back and forth. So, and, and real quick, we got to give a shout out to Jeanette from Wisconsin. All right. So the first question I sent Kim is how do you measure health? Oh. I actually like to track information. So I have spreadsheets and all kinds of stuff that I like to use just because I like the information. But primarily, I mostly go by how I feel and how I'm like moving through the day. You know, so I check in pretty consistently to see it's like, if am I alert? Am I moving comfortably? Does something need attention? Something is tight or sore or whatever. So most for me, it's mostly just how I feel. And I check in on that many times a day just to see how how things are going. So you kind of do like a daily check-in versus like a longer kind of macro view? Is that? For for the most part, I do track, like actually track stuff longer term, just because I like to look for patterns and stuff. Sure. Like I'll like I'll notice, you know, hey, 
this week I did terrible getting my workouts done, what was going on, and I can look and see the correlation that I didn't sleep well that week. So then I can adjust things like, you know, I can still do something, even if I'm too tired to do another workout. So then I can adjust like what I'm doing. Totally. What about like, do you ever, um, like, I mean, I haven't been to the doctor. I've gotten a physical for, man. I think the last time I went was like 2015 or 2016, like to get an actual physical with like blood work and all that stuff. Um, which is kind of crazy to say out loud. Uh, I should probably go get that done. <laughs> League Wildness, keep me accountable. Um, but I, I was listening to, I, I heard both Peter Tia and Kelly Charette mention this, just basically these vital signs of health and all these different metrics like that. And Atia was talking about specifically how blood pressures a really important indicator, particularly for atherosclerosis. That's always hard for me to say, but um, which is essentially that would be kind of this placking and inflammation of the arteries, which can lead to things like a heart attack. Um, <laughs> Chris Morgan says, go to the doctor, wild man. <laughs> well, what's frustrating is like, well, I think the last time I went, they drew my blood. And my potassium was high and that was strange. And, uh, so I went, I had to go back, you know, a couple weeks later and do it again. And it was still slightly elevated. And it, it was strange because that can be an indicator of kind of kidney disease or even the start of kidney failure, which certainly wasn't the, uh, it certainly wasn't the case. At least I didn't have any symptoms or anything like that. And so I, I was like, gosh, this is so weird. And I finally did some research and I think what it might've been was essentially, cause I get really tense. I just, I, I'm not a needle guy. Don't like it. I, I like really flex my arm I'm trying to give him like a good hearty vein to, you know, get at. And because of that muscle contraction, you, because of the, um, the ion gates, not to get super technical sciencey here, but like potassium ions, ions, calcium ions that are used in that essentially muscle or excuse me, gating, there can be some elevation locally. And uh, I think that's what it was. So what was frustrating about it though, was they, they did the first test and said, Oh, uh, well don't, don't eat so much potassium. And it was like, Basically, that is telling you not to eat fruits and vegetables, mm -hmm. which if I would have done that, the, the downstream effects of that would be way worse than it was essentially a false positive, I guess. Um, but the long-term consequences of not of changing my diet so radically because of this erroneously perceived elevated potassium, that, that would have been... Um, severely consequential potentially at least and uh ever since that happened i just kind of like my trust in going to a physician for i guess what i would call health promotion has been decreased however it's like you know it's certainly there is a ton of value in knowing your blood values um what i wanted to mention is 
what Peter T was talking about was blood pressure. And another false positive I get is it's called white coat syndrome. So it's essentially when you go to the doctor, when you get your blood pressure taken or anything, kind of the anxiety from that, or just for whatever reason, the, the, the practice or the act of someone taking your blood pressure can elevate your blood Mm -hmm. pressure. And, um, so basically like the first time they would take it, it would always be a little elevated and then we would do it again, kind of the end. And it was always fine. But again, it's like little things like that. Like maybe it's like, Oh, you need to go on, you know, hypertension medicine. Like that's kind of crazy. Well, and it, I find it weird. Cause there's a lot of things that can impact like, you know, having like a blood pressure or even a lab is kind of like a snapshot and so often they don't follow up with like with like a second opinion kind of result. You know, it's like I, I had to go back. I went to the emergency room and I was sick once and they were like, your blood pressure is way high. Well, it turned out it was because I drank a rock star on my way to the, yeah. to the hospital. <laughs> and so they were like, oh, yeah, that'll impact your blood pressure. They said, come back like in two days and we'll recheck it. And then it was fine. And then I was like, oh, probably shouldn't drink those anymore. Yeah. But like. My son went just just for lab work and they were like, your iron is super low. You need to start taking a supplement and which was kind of weird because he eats plenty of meat. Well, it turned out later that they found it was because he ran 10 miles that morning before he went to the doctor and they said that'll temporarily lower your iron. And so they rechecked him like three days later and it was fine. So I was like, well, why don't they ask more questions? Like, what, what, what did you eat or drink or what were you doing before? Or are you stressed out? It's like so many of those things can have a big impact. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We got, we got the comments are firing here. So we got to, let's take a step back and kind of address some of these. Let's see here. (laughs) Zachary. uh, (laughs) Thank you for contributing to the humor of the discussion, but Zachary's comment is me quote. I don't like needles. Parentheses has piercings and tattoos. <laughs> uh, Jonathan Gert, shout out, wild man. He says, I visit the blood pressure station at my local grocery store for a year and tracked it. And the data series was really instructive. I'd be curious to hear more about that. Uh, let's see. Jeanette, she says, I have to go. Otherwise, they won't refill my blood pressure medication. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Uh, we got a fellow white coder here. Where is that? Yeah, Brent. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's like something about the expectation or like, it, to me, it was like the fear of it being bad, I guess. You know, it's like that anticipation or that anxiety, which I didn't have an issue with all this really until I was like, I think I was 25. Yeah, I would believe I was 25, went in just for a random physical to get my blood drawn. And it was a student. They, they walk in with this young girl and when I say young girl, she was, I don't know, probably a year or two younger than me, but um, she says, Hey, this is a phlebotomy student. Like, do you mind if she draws your blood? And I'm like, you know, I have a pretty easy to identify vein, you know? So I'm like, Oh, go for it. You know? And she just is like, <laughs> oh, no. and I just passed, I passed out like hard. And uh, ever since then, it's like, I know I have like a little bit of PTSD from it, but Mm -hmm. um, let's see here. So uh, 
what's frustrating is when I'm trying to read comments, as new ones come, it it changes. So I'm about to read and then it changes. Okay, Jennifer's comment. I always catch myself holding my breath, getting my blood pressure checked. Yeah, I think there's like, you could just kind of free associating here. And again, listening to this podcast, it was like, there's a way to, there's kind of this way you can, a standard operating procedure for taking blood pressure specifically where, you know, the caffeine thing's a huge issue. Like, did you have coffee this morning? Yes or no? There's kind of like letting, sitting down for five minutes, calming. You could probably add some breathing into it because even it can change so quickly. It's um having that standardization would <laughs> help a lot. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Nathan, shout out, wild man. He says, I wish WebMD would just tell me what I want to know without telling, where to go, without telling me my cut finger is cancerous and I will die. <laughs> Hashtag hate going to the doc. Oh, man. Yeah, Brent had a newbie phlebotomist as well. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Valerie, same thing. What's like, we don't have to have like a class action here. Train these phlebotomists. What's up? She, Valerie says, I had a trainee take my blood when I was 12. She missed my vein five times. Now, every time I get my blood taken, I pass out. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you know, what has helped actually is I lay down um, and let them do it that way. And I just, I don't know, something about the being upright and you're staring at it, laying down. I can kind of like mellow out a little bit more, but. I've gone for eight years, so I don't, I don't, I just don't go, so I don't have to worry about it. But, uh, kind of going back to the questions I sent Kim, what I found interesting was so we have these metrics for measuring health, blood pressure, cholesterol levels, blood glucose. Those are, those are certainly very valuable data points. I would say we could probably do better in the sense of like having a standard operating procedure to make, make, Make the data a little bit more um, objective versus subjective in the sense of someone's kind of immediate situation. And they probably need to be taken across uh, a broader time spectrum to see kind of what those averages are. And, that, and again, that's what Peter T was talking about on this podcast. I've heard some other metrics of health, one being like your mile time and VO2 max as Basically, the higher your VO2 max, the less and less likely you are to die at any given time. Um, for the mile time specifically, there, there were these percentiles, whereas, you know, at certain ages, if you could run a mile in this amount of time, you, you're essentially, again, your chances of dying were less and less and less. How I was thinking about it is, and how we could potentially implement these types of things in wild gym is like, okay, let's set a baseline for essentially a VO2 test proxy, which a mile is a great for, excuse me, can we improve your mile time or your ruck mile time or things like that, that, you know, it's not the same thing as going on the treadmill to exhaustion with the face mask dropped on, but it would be a proxy for a VO2 max, if that makes sense. Nice. But I was, so kind of moving on to question number two, and what I was really most interested in, Kim, is are there any ways of measuring health you've heard from others that have resonated you with that aren't necessarily the standard, like, 
you know, what you would go to the doctor for? Um, I had a hard time with this question because I couldn't think of anything specifically. Like the one thing that came up for me is, is really more of a mindset thing or like a reminder because like I've heard it from, like I hear it from Katie Bowman. I'm pretty sure Kelly Starrett has mentioned it. And I've heard it from Ben Bergeron, who's a CrossFit trainer that I just follow his social media, which is that where you are now today is the result of the choices that you made yesterday. And so that mindset for me may, has has really made a big difference. Like, I think that's one of the things that's left out when you look a lot at like fitness and just general health info is just the way that you think about stuff. Right. Right. In the sense of if you're, I, I guess what you're making me think of is if you're stressed, particularly chronically, like there's real consequences to that, mm-hmm. that are kind of insidious and they can be asymptomatic for years, even decades. And then, you know, one day you just kind of explode. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah. 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 I, uh, it's funny. I was, I've been going to a, I think they're technically a psychotherapist. I think we're like three sessions in now and it's been really useful. Um, I've mentioned this. I think I mentioned previously, my wife and I have gone for couples, which is awesome. And I would highly recommend it for anyone. We went cause we were starting to like, this is after we had our first daughter, we were starting to just get like, there's just a lot of tension in the house and having that third party really help just like diffuse things and just make the communication so much easier. And we've maintained it um, mainly as like a preventative measure just to make sure we keep doing it. And it's so useful. So I would encourage, uh, you know, encourage people to consider it, especially like before things get really bad. That I think is the, really the best way to approach these things but i've been going just individually as well just a few sessions in now but um what we talked about yesterday was like i was like yeah i'm just stressed i've been super just stressed for the last like you know 18 months and it's that that chronic um projecting into the future you know and what listening to starrettes listening to atia talk about it it's like that has real consequences and i I just it really kind of hit home for whatever i i knew that but it really hit home hearing them say it recently so yeah i'm really trying to make an effort to break that cycle because it's just you know, you can eat well, you can sleep well, you can have this awesome fitness regimen. But if you're, if you have that low grade, just stress response, like that ain't going to save you, you know? Mm-hmm. But so I'm going to check these comments real quick. Zachary, great comment. Uh, one of my psych professors in college once said stress is one hell of a drug. Nathan says, uh, welcome to wild church week two hosted by Dan and Kim. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, so I'm going to ask a question, even though we may have already answered, but Kim, what are your top three metrics for measuring health? Um, my sleep, 
I do track my sleep. I, I don't know exactly how reliable like the apps and stuff are, but they at least give me like a baseline to watch for patterns and stuff. Um, this one, I, not so much official tracking, but like I said, I pay close attention to it as just my mobility in general. It's like if if I'm starting to notice my back is sore when I get up from the chair, it's like, okay, well, what what's my habits been as far as movement? What am I not doing? that kind of stuff. And then what kind of what you were getting to just a minute ago is how I feel mentally. It's like, I can, you know, how I feel about everything gets impacted if I'm feeling burnt out from stuff. Um, if I'm not participating in the stuff that like matters the most to me, it's like, if I have a couple of days where I'm not getting out hiking or something, like I can tell it's coming from like stress and just feeling burnt out. Totally. The one thing, um, the one thing I've been tracking, I got my good old Koros here, but uh, steps, I've just been tracking yeah. steps. And I noticed, it's like, if I get that, it's basically above 10,000. If I get above 10,000 steps, I sleep so, there's like, I just feel more calm. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, I get to 7, 7.30, 8 p.m., sun starts to set, I just get that like that good tired, you know what I mean? Yep. And I posted about this on Instagram this morning on my personal account, but essentially I think it's two things. One is I think it's just accumulating enough kind of low level activity to tire myself out essentially. And two is I'm doing all, I'm not walking on a treadmill. I'm outside for it. So I think that time, you know, 10,000 steps, it depends on if I run, ruck, walk, but typically I'm breaking that into probably two different sessions. So I might do either a run or a ruck that's longer in duration and then, you know, another mile or two either in the morning or evening or both. It's just, you know, a quick 15, 20 minute kind of out and back thing. But I definitely, as I've been kind of, tracking that and paying more attention to it, I've noticed a big difference for sure, particularly with sleep. And I also, you know, I like it as well. I think we're really bad about this as like a fitness culture. We're super, super poor at the post quote unquote workout, cool down, whatever you want to call it. But I know when I am more intentional and I take the time to truly cool down, which is not just stretching, but doing a super light kind of aerobic activity. It could be just pedaling stationary bike, walking. Those would be kind of the two obvious ones, easy rowing, any kind of just real low level activity. Even I guess kind of like light yoga would be good as well, but it just helps your system kind of clear itself out and you'll, you'll feel better. You won't be as sore. You won't be as tight. It's, um, it's something just, it's so, it's so basic and simple. It's not sexy, you know, but it, it does have super profound impacts. How deep do we want to go? I, uh, let's just, we'll keep going through them. Okay. I, I like the, oh, actually, let me check uh, comments here. Let's see here. Oh, wow. Valerie says, my dad has a brain tumor and was diagnosed with it in 1999. 
That's wild. So they said he had six years to live. He does not take half the medication he subscribed because it makes him want to lay flat in bed all the time. He said he will not live his life like that. He's still going strong. Lots of outdoor time and mindset has kept him going strong. That's awesome. That's some. Um, that's got to be super challenging, Valerie, and sending the the love and the good vibes your way. But yeah, there's something about mindset is powerful. So props to you and your dad. Don says, being mindful about your body and environment reactions. Let's see here. I think I'm like reading other people's comments, but let's see. Nathan's comment here is, I know it's not good to always be in stress uh, and let it be your baggage and drag you down. But when I do go do my workouts, whether it's this current challenge or another, I find when I... There's too many comments. It keeps moving. When I'm out alone working out, it does two things. One, it gives me private time to process all my to-do lists and stressors, quote, talking to myself. And two, I think about my 45-minute walk. I blink and my 45-minute walk is done. I'm knocking off two amazing things, self-sorting and exercise. That's that's great, man. I, 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 I think I said this. Who did I say this to recently? I was like, yeah, I think I probably would have had like true depression potentially if i didn't work out so much i think and i just saw something how exercise has so much um like it, so much of an antidepressive effect i was like yeah i i may have had like some serious problems with that had i not exercised so much so it's legit let's see chris says this has been a very timely meeting thanks everyone for sharing you're all awesome I like the self-sorting. So does Wild Mom. Uh, so back to the questions I sent Kim. I'm going to skip this one, but I'm going to go number five. So what are the top three obstacles to health you see for yourself and or for others? Um, I think time. Just because if you're working a full-time job and if you have a family on top of it, it just doesn't leave, you know, you have to make the most of your time because you have to, you know, have limited amounts of it. Like for me, like, I think it's really easy to combine like healthy activities with family time. Like that's kind of how I grew up. We did a lot of just like biking, hiking, swimming, just exploring, just close to home. We weren't always taking big vacations or anything, but we were, as a family, we were active. And so like when there were days off and stuff for my parents, that's what we spent that time doing. And I think that like more so now I've seen kind of a change over to people are so exhausted from getting through their week that a lot of people want to spend their weekend just kind of, you know, chilling out and relaxing. Um, the other one I put down was, um, money to a degree. I think there kind of tends to be a view that you're not doing fitness. If you don't like have a gym membership or have certain clothing or aren't buying like all the organic food. Um, but I think that just, just like with time, we can make the most of what we do have. You, you know, you don't have to join a gym, you know, like we've seen in the group, you know, there's all kinds of creativity and ways you can get plenty of exercise. Um, and then my last one was, I kind of put grouped it all together into like motivation, discipline and bandwidth, which kind of goes back to the time thing a little bit in terms of just 
having the ability to make the choice to go do something else. It's like, I think that that's one of the best parts of the group is because there's so many posts that are so motivating and like other people, the people come into the group looking for motivation and they always get it, which is awesome. Absolutely. I, uh, I pulled up the survey we sent on this was we sent this out April 22nd, 2022. So almost exactly a year ago. And thank you. Some I'm sure I'm sure that some of you guys responded to this. So thank you. But so we just we sent out just trying to understand what are the challenges the League of Wildness is having and how can we potentially help and address those challenges. But the first question we asked was, what is your biggest challenge to health and fitness? So the biggest obstacle, so 19, basically 20% of people said the biggest obstacle was they don't have time. So that's very, so you're not, you're not alone, Kim. <laughs> uh, the second one was not motivated, which I find interesting. And then let's see, there's a two-way tie between dealing with injuries and basically all of the above and all of the above would be don't have time don't know what to do dealing with injuries not motivated new to training work travel and weight loss or needing to lose weight Maybe that's mm -hmm. a better way to say it so i get it they're challenges you know if you if you don't have time you don't have time I, kind of kim i'm it's interesting you brought up the money thing because I, I sent you in the email with these topics, the Mr. Money Mustache mm -hmm. blog. Have you, had you heard of him before? No, I checked him out though. when you, when you sent that over. So he looks pretty interesting. I read a couple of his articles on there. He's a character. Yeah. Sure. I actually, um, I actually had an office at his co-working space. Like oh, nice. it was several years ago now, but yeah. I mean, the first day I met him, we were like deadlifting and doing pull-ups on monkey bars in the little backyard. He's, he's a character, but he has, you know, his, his slant and tilt is really personal finance and early retirement and that whole thing. But his approach is kind of this, you know, very frugal lifestyle where health and fitness are really one of the top priorities, if not the priority, because the way he sees it, if you don't have those things, all the other stuff doesn't really matter, which, you know, I can definitely relate to that. But, uh, I just read one of his recent blog posts last night talking about how he was kind of making fun of people in San Francisco, how they have these huge salaries in the tech industry and, but all of, but they're still even, you know, starting salary at some tech companies, 200 K a year, but they still have like, you know, credit card debt and car payments and all these things. Cause they're, they don't, one, it's expensive to live there and two, they don't manage their finances well, but it made me think a lot about the time thing, right? Like kind of the time is money concept. If you have more time, maybe you don't have as much money, but you don't necessarily need that money. If you fill that space with things that are kind of free, like you're describing, mm -hmm. like fitness doesn't have to be expensive, nor does health really. Mm -hmm. um, it's really designing a lifestyle and, intentionally doing it, which is hard. Like that's what I was talking about in my session yesterday is I feel so there's that there's real pressure to like the keeping up with the Joneses thing, especially with kids. It's like, no. you know, we're taking Sally up to Vail this weekend for lessons. Like, man, that's like a thousand dollars for one day. 
Um, so I totally get like how that could be a real obstacle. Going uh, to the comments here real quick. Ooh, Don, I like that. So Don commented on something, a term weekend fitness warriors where people are beating themselves up. That's interesting. I think what you're kind of just describing Don is someone that maybe is quite sedentary, maybe during the week. And then on the weekend they get out and get after it, but it kind of turns into maybe a negative cycle because they're not maybe properly prepared for that activity. See, Nathan has had some awesome comment, awesome comments. Let's read this one as well. I think seeing the success of the group individually and together is more powerful than four walls and a gym membership. I know it isn't a one size fits all approach, but still to each their own. I've had more success with this group than ever before. That's awesome, man. Keep it up. I mean, it's, that's why I think like, it's really important. I think the sharing is important. And I, I think maybe, I certainly have thought this myself, but there, you can think of it as maybe a, um, it could be maybe you perceive it being as egotistical or something like that. And people certainly do, I guess, share and post that way. But in this group, it's just, it's fuel for everyone else. You know, you see Nathan out there in the dark, you see, you know, Noggins doing, doing, <laughs> doing his thing. You see Valerie out rucking. Like, it's like, man, I see that and it makes me want to go rock, you know? So it's, it has a very powerful effect. Like even what may seem trivial is, uh, is important. So I think I would encourage everyone just to share more, you know, <laughs> that's the rucking truth. <laughs> oh man. Uh, okay. Moving back to, Kim and I's topics, and we'll we'll try and keep this at least under an hour. And uh, my wild ones just arrived, so you may hear some background chatter, but that just uh, keeps it authentic and real. Kim, this I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this one. So the question I asked to Kim was, "What is your reaction to the idea of quote prescribing exercise? Shouldn't that be obvious?" I think like for me, it's obvious. A lot of that is because like I mentioned before, you know, I grew up mostly in the seventies and the eighties, everybody around me worked like blue collar jobs and like activity was demanded, like life demanded activity. So that's just what we did. We didn't really have other options. And then, and then you get like the computers came in and more people got office jobs. And so some of that fell off and like when I observe, you know, living in a small town, you know, just generations of people, like, you know, people who are friends with your grandparents and stuff, because that's how small towns are. And like, you can see that shift where now the generations that are raising kids now, like young kids, they were like part of that first generation where it was kind of that switch into more sedentary lifestyle. And it's like, even within that one generation, it's like some of that information seems to get lost, you know, and it, it's like more people of generations younger than mine seem to rely on like doctors to tell them how to be healthy, which I always found interesting. Cause like, to me, a doctor is where you go when you're not healthy, 
And like, I think it's great to get a baseline of your stuff. So, you know, something, you know, your blood work and whatever. So if something changes, you can stay on top of it. But like my dad, so my dad's in his seventies and he went to, he, he goes to the doctor every year for his checkup and he went and his cholesterol was a little bit high, like just a couple of points over where they wanted it to be. And they prescribed statins for him. Like that was the first time it was ever high. They gave him statins. He didn't fill the prescription. He made a couple of small changes to his diet and went back and it was back in normal range. And the doctor was like, well, it looks like the statins are working. And my dad was like, they never took them. <laughs> he was like, so, so why isn't lifestyle change advised before like medications with these um, side effects? And he said, because no one does the lifestyle changes. So doctors have kind of given up even recommending them because nobody follows them in their opinion. So I found that really interesting because it's like, it's so many people now, like younger generations are relying on doctors to tell them how to be healthy and doctors don't do it. <laughs> so people don't really get the information from anywhere. And it's like, I guess, you know, if somebody is like prescribed by a medical professional just to do more exercise, it's like, well, at least they're trying that much because a lot of them are just giving out medication, which is just kind of crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah. I suspect there's a, a, a monetary reason for that as well. Um, yeah. Well, and again, that's like Peter Tia's new book, the Sturette's new book. They're very parallel, but it's, there's kind of like these four and even where'd this article go? There were these, these four essentially like very basic, obvious things in my opinion, which are exercise, nutrition, you could say like mindset and sleep. Like if you kind of look at those things and how they're related to your health and fitness, if you address those or at least examine those and if there's problems there and you address the problems, maybe your health would improve. Like you just described, you know, if those things are super dialed and you're having problems, then maybe it makes sense to have more of a pharmacological intervention or, you know, something a little more invasive, but it just seems crazy that if you're not really examining those quote unquote vital signs to just be, you know, flippantly, throwing out pharmaceuticals that just is kind of wild to me yeah well and I think that some of it you know now is getting down even to kids so it's like if they've got coming from a generation of parents who were, were activity and stuff wasn't a focus it's like and now like schools at least here I know some schools do better make it worse like our school used to have morning recess the kids would get off the bus or walk to school they'd all go to the playground they'd have 20 minutes of recess, whatever time they got there. And then they'd all go into the building together. And this was even before COVID. So it wasn't even due to COVID. They just eliminated it. So it's like, there was no morning recess. They aren't allowed to play on the playground after school because there's no supervision. And their lunch recess is like 20 minutes. And it's like, by the time they're 12 years old, there's no recess. It's taken away. They don't do any at all. And then like here, like my, my son is in eighth grade and doesn't have gym class this year because it's just not part of their schedule. So he doesn't have oh, gym, really? he doesn't have recess. And it's like, so so then the kids aren't learning the benefits of moving because it's not even part of their day anymore. Right, too busy squeezing in, you know, productivity. 
(laughs) you know, and and making productivity worse because they can't get rid of their energy by getting to play outside. Right. Well, that's kind of the whole, that's the Mr. Money mustache. Like he's, he really hammers that idea home of using just like manual labor as a fitness lever essentially, which my neighbor, uh, so they helped, he helped me unload that 20 foot container with all the neon buffaloes. And he actually helped me load them back into a different truck here. So I, I had a debt to repay. So I've been shoveling rock for them, but it's like, I kind of crave it in the sense of there's a few reasons. One, it's a good workout. I'll just put that out there. It's, it's not like a totally altruistic, uh, activity. It's, it's good workout. Um, but there's also something really soothing psychologically about seeing this big pile of rock slowly disappear. Mm-hmm. Like the It's a task that you can see completed versus, you know, a lot of the stuff we do just for wild gym as like an e-commerce business, you don't see any results for days, weeks, months, potentially even years. And I can't, there's two terms for that. I, I can't remember what they are specifically. Uh, comments, if you know, please shout out. But uh, there's something about that that's really just like cathartic. Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up because like I mentioned before we got on the call, like last week it was 70 degrees. We had summer and then yesterday we got six inches of very, very wet, heavy snow. It is seriously hard to like you can't even push it. It's just slush. It's just super heavy. And so I've been clearing a little bit of snow at a time since yesterday, but it's fun for me to do it. Like it's hard work, but I like it. And it's fun to see, you know, the results of the work, you know, it's the same with like when we're, when we're doing, when we're burning wood and stacking and chopping wood and stuff. But it's funny because we have this older neighbor and she always drives by and she always makes a comment like, it's a shame your husband's not using your snowblower. (laughs) I was like, I'm out here by choice. Like he's working. (laughs) You know, it's like, I'm here because I like to do it this way. You know, right, right. good exercise. It's a different thing to do. (laughs) She just, it's like upsetting to her that I have to clear the snow on our driveway. (laughs) My uh, uh, abstract thinking led me down a path where I was like, you know, I, I always want to be a professional athlete. Like that was my goal, you know, forever. As, as far as I can remember, I want to be some sort of professional athlete. Fortunately, that didn't work out, but I was thinking about like, man, well, maybe I could like, I could go around and do manual labor for like an hour or two a day and get paid. So you're getting paid to work out, but like in a, a way that's not, because I, I think the opposite is also probably not ideal or it's like, you have to do that hundred percent of the time. Cause that's the only way you can put food on the table. Like, I don't know if that's the answer. Um, yeah. Well, and I think some of those jobs, like long-term for decades, they kind of beat up your body a lot. Like we have a lot of carpenters and stuff in my family yeah. and they always end up with bad knees, you know, from kneeling on plywood and stuff. Although they have options they could use to prevent that. They, you know, don't. <laughs> so, well, I was, yeah. But, so but why don't that, they, but- Oh, please continue. Oh, no, no. I was going to say my my oldest who lives in D.C., so he's going to school, but he also, you know, D.C. is expensive to live in. But he does TaskRabbit, which is where he gets hired to do just random, like, tasks. And most of them are, like, physical types of tasks, like helping people move furniture, load moving trucks and stuff. He makes almost $50 an hour. 
doing that work. Like people hire him to like move their bookcase from one side of the house to the other and he makes 50 bucks. So Good like that's him. what he does for his job is just awesome. moving stuff and carrying stuff for people. And it, and he really likes it. You know, he it gives him that outlet, especially when he's doing so much mental work for school. You know, and then our, our middle son works at the lumber yard in the summer and it's the same thing for him. Like the, having that physical outlet just is super helpful. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, um, man, I totally lost my train of thought. There was just something about it that I was like, oh, man, this is, this is really nice. And it made me like mm-hmm. explore how like, it's it's the right oh this is what i was gonna say you mentioned how people their bodies get beat up if you're doing manual labor you should treat your body you should approach it like an athlete would you know like i i think that's probably i always thought that was interesting like there would be you know when even when i was firefighting because that was that's hard-ass work and um you know there's there's people that would be overweight and I, it just never made sense to me, but then I'd notice like what they're eating, mm-hmm. all these other things. And it's like, man, it, uh, <laughs> it kind of makes sense. So, if, but if, if you did that same physical thing and approach it like an athlete, kind of like we're talking about where you're taking care of sleep, nutrition, all these things, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be, I think you'd have a totally different relationship with that type of work, you know? Yeah. And I think like part of, at least here, and, and it's still very much the case is kind of generalizing. Here's a lot of people who work in those jobs where they're working construction, they're doing carpentry or whatever, because they're working so hard, they go home and then they drink a six pack of beer. Oh, you know, sure. they feel like they have the room for it. And it's like, they're, they're getting lots of movement and lots of outside time. But when your body is so adapted to doing the same thing every day, like it doesn't mean you can afford to, to have a six pack every day. Right. You know, so it was the same thing. And then, and then they gain weight and it contributes to problems with their knees and stuff like that. Totally. Totally. Okay. I think these, these will be two good ones to end on. So okay. I'll ask them both together and then we can address each one individually. So Kim, the best piece of health advice you've received and the worst piece of health advice you've received? Um, I think that my first one kind of goes, it goes back to what I said earlier, which is just that where you are right now, like it didn't come out of nowhere. Like it came out of months and years worth of habits and choices from yesterday and it's like, if you want tomorrow to be better, then today is the time to make changes. You know, you don't have to wait till Monday. You don't have to wait till the first of the month or till winter's over or whatever. It's like, you can do that now and tomorrow will already be better. Um, and then the worst one, <laughs> there's been a lot of <laughs> bad advice. Um, but probably the worst experience, and I think I mentioned it a little bit before, is that, so our son, when he was two, was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes and we had so many meetings with healthcare professionals. And when we finally had the meeting with the dietitian, I brought my notebook. I was like all set to take all of these notes to know like, okay, what do we need to change? What do we need to do to make sure he doesn't suffer complications? You know, starting at age two, that's a long time to live with diabetes, which has a lot of, you know, complications for eyesight and nerve health and all sorts of stuff. 
And we got there and I was all set to write all these notes. And they basically said, you don't have to do anything. Just give him enough insulin for whatever he's eating. And that's all you have to do. And I was like, that does not seem right to me. (laughs) And so I've spent a lot of years learning how all that stuff works and found that indeed it was bad advice. You know, obviously that's way more complicated. And that's, you know, I guess that's the hardest thing for me as far as like medical advice and healthcare advice is that it's super like simplistic to the point that the information doesn't really help people. Like it gets like all of your understanding of that stuff kind of levels up. Like you get, have your basic understanding and then you can do more and more depending what you want to do. But it was like, you know, for us to be told it doesn't matter what he eats, just give him insulin is terrible advice. You know, it's like there's a whole complicated thing of it's not just carbs, it's protein and fats all impact that stuff. And I had to learn all of it ourselves. Like we didn't learn any of it through the medical stuff, through all his expensive appointments. Like we had to learn everything on our own. And so that was like my biggest lesson to me is like, if I really want to know how health is going to work for me individually, I have to figure it out myself. So you're making me excuse me, my, uh, the word that's coming to mind is there's kind of this patronizing from not all, but in general, there's this patronizing from the medical field thinking like, Oh, people aren't smart enough or disciplined enough to kind of figure this stuff out for themselves where. Yeah. And it's it's like, not the case. I I felt like it's like, well, if I know to ask the question, I should be able to get an answer. And that was not the case at all. Like I could ask the question. They were just like, doesn't matter. Like, what do you get paid for? It's like, (laughs) what are you doing here? Like I'm asking how to avoid my kid, like losing a foot or going blind when he's 40. Like I'd like some help with this. And it wasn't there. Like we had to learn it ourselves. And so we learned it and then we share what we learn with other parents when they come along. And it was kind of the same thing for me, you know, and some of that stuff is just super individual because different things impact people different. But I, you know, I'm not going back to the beginning of the conversation. I'm not great about going to the doctor either, but I've, I've not found a lot of value in it. And that's why it's like, they charge a ton of money. We pay a ton for insurance. And as far as help to be healthier, we get nothing out of it. You know, it's like, if I break a leg, I'll absolutely go to the doctor because they can fix that. But the other stuff is just severely lacking in terms of actually helping you to be healthier. Well, it's uh, if you think of like availability, access, affordability, you know, those blood profile tests are pretty cheap now. I haven't, I haven't looked, but I mean, paying out of pocket to get like a really comprehensive metabolic profile is not that expensive. Mm-hmm. And then like, you know, blood pressure, things like that. You can buy a machine off Amazon for, I suspect under a hundred dollars. I don't really know, but you could even learn how to do it. I was thinking about this. Um, I don't know this. So definitely double check me, but I think you could. So according to Atia, which is one podcast I listened to, he said doing the stethoscope where you're listening to the brachial artery, you know, like you, when you go to the doctor, they nurse puts on the or nurse or doctor puts on stethoscope, they listen to brachial artery, they pump you up with the cuff, and then they measure blood pressure that way. I think you can do that yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, on yourself, I mean, I need to double check that and look into that more. But, you know, those two things you can essentially do on your own. If something seems out of whack, you could 
probably do some lifestyle adjustment, you know, for example, like your dad's um, cholesterol example. Mm -hmm. And then if things aren't continue to not to be good, then you could go, you know, seek more, uh, <laughs> greater interventions. But I, I just mm -hmm. don't think like you need to go to eight years of medical school to get someone there. You know, I mean, most people would probably do it on themselves or work with someone with a solid understanding of that stuff that, you know, didn't necessarily go to medical school for again, like a decade. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess like on the flip on like the same, same side of that is that like, because I pay such close attention, I always have lots of information about what's going on with my body, but doctors don't want it. Like you go to the doctor and you're like, okay, here's when the injury happened. Here's what I felt. Here's where I felt it. Here's what I noticed. And they're just like, like, that's <laughs> like, they just like, we just want to do an x-ray and do surgery. <laughs> like they don't want the details to find the root cause, which is always what I'm after. And you can never get it from a doctor. So I'm just like, I'll just do it myself. <laughs> so it... I should be better about going regularly, at least for like keeping my baseline current for all of my information, but it, it's hard for me to go because I, I don't feel listened to. DIY, DIY, DIY medicine coming at you from wild gym. We've got our DIY <laughs> product uh, line. We'll just throw in medical care. <laughs> Stay tuned. League of wildness. No, that was awesome, Kim. Thank you. Let's, uh, Let's wrap it up. I'll hand it over to you. I'll announce prize winners. And we're going into Masogi week, which uh, we can, we'll definitely post that up in the group. But so Masogi week, we get it. You guys have schedules. So you can do your individual Masogi of choice whenever it works for you. But I'll hand it over to Kim and then we'll finish on that actually. Over to you, Kim. All right, so for week two for the WILD Award, which is consistency in getting the challenge workout done every day, the winner is Peter Kohler. I think he's new to the group with this challenge, but he has done an awesome job with his consistency. And then the Warrior, which is still keeping that consistency, but also getting the weekly sub-challenge done, which this week was for the digital diet, is Andrea Walker. Both of them have done awesome with all of their stuff getting done every day. It's been fun to watch their their workouts and what they're up to. <clears throat> oh yeah. Congratulations, guys. It's uh it's really it's cool. Yeah, it's just I love you guys. Thank you for being in our group. I I don't that's really all I gotta say. I wanna look up, I wanna make sure I am accurate with my Misogi uh overview here. So, oh yeah. So what, real quick, what are we going to send these guys, Kim? Oh, sorry. For the, for the weekly winners, you get a copy of the body hardening manual and then a $50 gift card. So I will tag them both in our post after we're done here so that they know to send us an email so we can get those on the way. Awesome. I wanted to make sure I couldn't remember the exact, uh, Misogi distances, but okay. So the idea is if you can work it into your schedule on the final day of this challenge, which is going to be this upcoming Monday, April 24th. So the Masogi is level one, a half mile carry. Level two is a one mile carry. Level three is a two mile carry. You choose the weight, you choose the object, just cover that distance. 
And we'll also, we'll have our final pack meets on same day, same time. That'll be Tuesday, the 25th. We'll announce our ultimate winners. We'll set up, uh, we're going to be kind of revamping the path forward and we'll use our June uh, wild day summer solstice challenge to kind of set that momentum and tempo for the rest of the year. So this was awesome. Thank you everyone for tuning in. It's, uh, yeah, it's just having, thank you guys for commenting. It really does add to the conversation. It helps Kim and I kind of expand our thoughts and, uh, yeah, we appreciate you guys so much love. Stay wild out there. and We'll see you next week.